We're excited to announce that our very own podcasting platform, Zencaster, has become a new sponsor to the show. Check out the podcast discount link in our show notes and stay tuned for why we love using Zen for the podcast. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Hello out there in uh, archaeology podcast land. This is Dr. Alan Garfinkel. I'm the president and founder of the California Rock Art Foundation. And what we do is we identify, evaluate, manage and conserve rock art both in Alta, California and in Baja, California. We conduct field trips, we have trainings, exercise, we do research, and in every way possible, we try to preserve, protect, and coordinate treasures of Alta and Baja California rock art, of which there are many and diverse. We also work closely with Native Americans and uh, partner with them to recognize and protect sacred sites. So for more info about the fabulous California Rock Art Foundation, you can go to carockart.org. Also, I'm, I'm open to give me a call, 805-312-2261. We would uh, welcome sponsorship or underwriting, uh, helping us to defray the costs of our podcasts, and also membership in California Rock Art Foundation. And of course, donations, since we are a 501c3 nonprofit scientific and educational corporation. God bless everyone out there in podcast land. You're listening to the Rock Art Podcast with Dr. Alan Garfinkel, a podcast about all things rock art. Send us your suggestions. Hello and welcome to the Rock Art Podcast, episode 43 with Dr. Alan Garfinkel and myself, Chris Webster. Today, I talked to Dr. Garfinkel about his experiences filming the documentary for the History Channel about Skinwalker Ranch in Utah. All right, welcome to the show, everybody. Alan, how's it going? It's going well. It's wonderful to be back with you, Chris. It's always an exciting adventure each week <laughs> when we uh, try to uh, deep dive into the mysteries of rock art and indigenous cosmology and all things relating to the fields of archaeology, anthropology, shamanism, rock art, etc., etc. That's right. All right. Well, we mentioned a few episodes ago that you were part of a television production on Skinwalker Ranch out in Utah. So we're going to spend the hour talking about that because we really just grazed the surface of not only how you get involved in that, but what the heck is Skinwalker Ranch and what's a skinwalker and all these things. It sounds like something out of Game of Thrones on HBO. So <laughs> we're going to have to. <laughs> it, 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 pro it probably is, but uh, <laughs> right. this this will be one of the more interesting uh, and I, I would imagine thought-provoking and, if not uh, somewhat controversial. So we'll, we'll give you okay. the behind-the-scenes look into what Skinwalker Ranch and what it's like to be a, uh, an on-air guest scholar. All right, so let's dive into this. We're obviously going to talk about what Skinwalker Ranch is in a little bit, but I want to go like timeline-wise. Did you know what Skinwalker Ranch was prior to being contacted about this documentary? Not a bit. 
I'd never heard of Skinwalker Ranch, don't know anything about it. Okay. When, when they asked me about it, they called me because another uh, very well-known, recognized expert in rock art declined their invitation to do the guest scholar spot. And yeah. they told me, and they told me who that was. I don't know if I should mention it or not, but anyways, mm-hmm. it's someone that uh, everyone who follows rock art would know. Okay. Um, and he said, "No, uh, I'm getting too old to do this stuff, and what you're asking me to do is not worth my time and effort, and it sounds like it it could potentially be uh, dangerous." Yeah. Okay. okay. And so that sort of you know, bothered me <laughs> a, a bit to hear Only for that. a minute, though. Well, only for a minute, yes, but it bothered <laughs> me. And I said, hmm, interesting. Mm-hmm. I said, well, I'm, I'm available. I'm interested in uh, send me the details. Mm-hmm. And so, so began our, our interaction with basically someone who, who books the uh, guest scholars on, yeah. on the number two show the number the, the second most watched show on the history channel and wow. i understand that there's something like 2 million people that see each episode of the show which is 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 you know mind boggling that's almost as many people as listen to this podcast so you're <laughs> coming exactly. up in the world <laughs> exactly you know if you can do the rock art podcast alan you can do the skinwalker ranch show that's so what i'm talking about i i had them i had them watch talking stone the documentary film that i did mm-hmm. uh, with paul goldsmith that was aired on the uh, on pbs mm-hmm. and they were very impressed with that and then we talked several times and they, they, they understood my, you know, the way I speak and the kinds yeah. of uh, repartee that I, you and I communicate on a, on a uh, regular basis. And they said, you know, I think, I think you're exactly what this show could want and deserve. I think you'd be really good for it. So mm-hmm. then they invited me to consider the uh, participation. So you, you decided to do it. What kind of research or preparation did you do prior to going out to Skinwalker Ranch? Zero. <laughs> <laughs> did I they did send you anything? Like, yes. They had okay. they, they had a liability form. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's all they sent you. <laughs> that, that was the one thing I read. Yeah. And the liability form uh, gave me almost a cardiac arrest. It basically <laughs> said that you could die or be dismembered if you participated and they were not responsible for anything that happens to you. Wow. (laughs) And I'm not exaggerating. Yeah. All right. Well, that sounds fun. So, so you sign, you sign that. No. no, So then I said, I I don't (laughs) think I'm going to sign this. I think, I think this is uh, not acceptable. I've never seen any sort of liability form that is this egregious and uh, radical you know, you're going to pay me $500, big deal. Mm-hmm. And you want me to travel to Utah and you'll pay my trip. You'll pay my lodging. You'll feed me. But for $500 for, you know, for a, an on-air thing, I don't know if that's enough, yeah. you know, just to make, make it worth my while. They said, well, how much do you need? I says, well, give me a thousand. I'll do it. <laughs> and they so- said, and they said, fine. 
So let me get this straight. The release gives you practically cardiac arrest. It is horrific. It is basically releasing them of all liability. And you're like, you know what? My life is worth way more than $500. Let's call it a thousand. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I said, if I'm going to die, all right. I'm going to, I'm going to at least have, have shown them that he wouldn't do it for 500, but he doubled it for a thousand. And, and sorry to say he lost his life. Wow. But they, tr- but they wow. tried to reassure me that, you know, all this was just mumbo jumbo. They had to do it uh, into this document and da, 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 da. I said, well, you know, I've heard it's a, it's the history channel and you've mm-hmm. obviously got a lot of infrastructure and yeah. a lot of people watch this show. And I know you've got some notable talent that has been attracted to it. Why don't I give it a shot? I said, okay, I've signed, I've signed up. You tell me when we're going. Mm-hmm. So we went back and forth and back and forth. And it was about, about six months ago, maybe seven months ago that they said, well, we're ready to go. We'll send you the plane tickets. You'll stay at this hotel. You know, once you get there, you get settled in, we'll queue up and get you out here and plan on spending the whole day, about 10 hours out there. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, We'll bring you back and uh, everything will be copacetic. And I said, fine. So that, yeah, that Go seems ahead. like a, a really so a surprisingly short time between actually filming in the field and releasing it live to the world. Because that was only, like you said, it was released a few weeks ago. Yeah. And almost a month ago. And so that was like six months six or months. less. Yes. Yeah, six months. That Man, that's running it real tight. What if, it, right. what if that didn't I, work? Do they have a plan B? No. i think they they just they just go you know and try and fill the void and continue in this interesting adventure so man see that's that's why i stick with podcasting because if we have a guest bail on us or we can't get one scheduled for one reason or another because schedules are tight yeah we just have a conversation and we make it work but you can't do that on a tv show nobody wants to see me just talk about nothing exactly yeah they have a whole realm of people that are working a bevy of scholars yeah. and experts that are there already, but no, and they wouldn't, you know, if they just talked to, to about themselves or did stuff by themselves, it would not be an interesting <laughs> show, of course. <laughs> right. So, right. So, so okay. So I, well. I, I did do a little bit of background on the kinds of rock art that were there in the vicinity. It was mm-hmm. in Utah. It's near the barrier Canyon. It's near, Fremont style rock art and all of that and much more. But I was familiar with that anyways. So okay. that didn't seem to be extremely relevant. And um, it's near McConkie Ranch, which is a big rock art place as well. I've been there. So all of that and much more. And I, I said, okay, you know, I didn't want to bias myself by knowing too much or reading about it, et cetera. I wanted to just get a first impression and just be authentic and real as though I was discovering it for the first time. And I would tell them basically what I thought about the uh, nature of their suggestions and questions. How about mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, let's talk about McConkie Ranch real quick because that's such an interesting place. Uh, I worked on a project in Vernal, Utah. A bunch of us went up there and it's a privately owned ranch that you just basically drop some money in the thing at the front as like a donation to maintain the trails and stuff. And it is, you walk through the trail and it is some of the most 
striking rock art that I've ever seen. Just like this carved into the sandstone, full mm-hmm. body anthropomorphs that yep. are just enormous with yes. where, with like shields and, yep. and all kinds of stuff. Man, it is yep. so crazy. And that is really literally maybe a mile or two away from this uh, Skinwalker Ranch. Nice. So it's it's right there. Okay. So let's talk about Skinwalker Ranch a little bit then to kind of set the stage here. McConkie Ranch, like I mentioned, is a a privately owned thing. Is Skinwalker Ranch also privately owned and can people get access to it? It's completely privately owned by a multi-billionaire. Jeez. All right. (laughs) He has his own helicopter pad. Yeah, of course. And he rides... And he, he paid, I think, millions for it. And it's locked up, gated, secure, 24-7. They have uh, state-of-the-art electronics all over the ranch. <laughs> mm. The place is, wow. the place is, is bulletproof. The, there's a security guard packing, packing heat, uh, many actually. And they, they they protect the ranch with diligence. Mm-hmm. They have a couple that lives there. One's an anthropologist, etc., and one's a another professional. and And they live there on on premises, protecting the ranch. Also, you know, they have security guards that are there, professionals, several. Uh, and you know, they're wearing the black ops whole look, and they've got <laughs> you protected, and they've got the area uh, surveilled electronically all over the ranch. Wow, that's crazy. All right. Well, let, let's talk in the in the end of this segment here. A little about you getting out there. They fly you into Salt Lake City? Flew me into Salt Lake City, but then they then they uh, you know, then they flew me to somewhere closer. I think I had to Oh. I I, th- I believe I rented a car and then I had okay. to drive and drive and drive so I got to you know, that location where you talked mm-hmm. about and then I got my hotel room. And okay. I called them okay. Up and, said, and then, you know, here's, so you get on site. I was. Yep. So to get on site, <laughs> I, I took the rental car myself and yeah. they had me follow them there. And then when you get to the gate, needless to say, it's locked. And they have, yeah. you know, the people, they open it up and then you park, think outside the gate. And then they put you in this shuttle service, this little machine that they, run around with and uh, get you out there. And then they give you a a mini tour of just sort of the, the core facility. They have a 24 seven sort of whole, you know, what would you call it? State of the art technology, digital technology that allows you to view every part of that ranch electronically in color on an enormous screen. Jeez. Yeah. And the people that they've got in there have PhDs and they're physicists and astrophysicists and astronomers and every other kind of expert you can, engineers, geologists, they have them all on site. Wow. (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah. So you get Hmm. there and you talk to them, they introduce themselves to you. And then you find that there is 20 people, 20, that have cameras and various other mechanical devices that will be following you around when you visit <laughs> any part of the ranch. Jeez. And they'll be filming you and asking you questions as you walk the ranch. <laughs> okay, then. Yeah, so. that sounds pretty intense. Well, let's go ahead and take a break. 
and we will come back and talk about the day of filming and how that went. We'll be back in a minute. Chris Webster here for the Archaeology Podcast Network. We strive for high quality interviews and content so you can find information on any topic in archaeology from around the world. One way we do that is by recording interviews with our hosts and guests located in many parts of the world all at once. We do that through the use of Zencaster. That's Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R. Zencaster allows us to record high quality audio with no stress on the guest. Just send them a link to click on and that's it. Zencaster does the rest. They even do automatic transcriptions. Check out the link in the show notes for 30% off your first three months or go to Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R.com and use the code ROCKART. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome back to episode 43 of the Rock Hard Podcast. And I am interviewing Alan about his time filming the documentary for the History Channel about Skinwalker Ranch in Utah. So the end of segment one, you've arrived on site, heavy security, you're ready to go, you're ready to start filming. So did they just point a camera at you and say, start talking and they do the editing from there? Or how did, how did this whole that's thing really, start off? That's basically <laughs> what they did. They, they, yeah. um, they said, we've got some places to take you and want to, want to show you the facilities. And, you know, one of the facilities was, a, I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars were spent on equipment and surveillance mm-hmm. information and, and uh, technology, digital videography, in color, instantaneous downloads all over the ranch. You know, just every part of that wow. ranch was being surveilled. And so uh, they said they, they really wanted to speak with me. They thought they had some interesting features or elements of a landscape, and they didn't want to influence me by telling me much more about it. But they would uh, take me on a, a foot tour out to this place and, and get my insights and reflections. So that's what we did after I was professionally mic'd and, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and all of these cameras were looking at me constantly. As I said, we had about 20 people constantly moving around me with, with at least three or four different cameras at different (laughs) angles as I, as I tried to walk up Mm -hmm. drainages and not fall on my ass. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, that's what was, and that's what was going on now with that many cameras on you that's presumably to prevent taking like multiple takes and things like that to have you repeat yourself because they want the but initial they, reactions but, of things right right but they did do that they said okay i'm sure you know th- yeah. that was good now go back again and walk up that ridge <laughs> again <laughs> or you know answer that question again with you know just do it again <laughs> Once more with feeling? Once more with feeling, right. (laughs) Right. So we walked up this drainage and that drainage, 
And they finally really were focused on one specific area. And yeah. that was a, and that was a prominence, a prominent hill that was one of the highest hills or landforms on the entire ranch. And it gave you a spectacular view of the entire landscape. It was mm. unbelievable. And on the top of that hill, lo and behold, was a geoglyph. Okay. And it was Aboriginal. They had, they had sort of plopped up the sands at the top of it. And there was a shrine, like a, a rock cairn at the top of it. And then surrounding it was a serpentining, you know, circular abstract element mm. made of rocks, which okay. I've seen before. So that was interesting. <laughs> right. So there was yeah. that. And then as I began to look at the landscape, I noticed that the land forms that I was seeing looked like snakes. Hmm. And, and one sort of met at one face and there was another one meeting at the other face and a drainage came down in the middle of them, like two snakes heads and then the snake bodies. And I've seen wow. that before. It's, it's form of basalt and the natural proclivities of, of basalt of lava are to form these kind of streams or linear curvilinear meanders. And there they were. So I pointed that nice. out. And I said, well, you know, yeah. if you look at this landscape context, you've got the anthropomorphized elements right here of serpents right on the landscape. Hmm. And then I said, okay, here's the, here's the central pivot, a shrine that you have on this prominence. And then you have, of course, this, this circular element that surrounds it. And that uh, is obviously some sort of a, um, a central nexus or power spot that is being emphasized by this rock feature. They said, hmm, that's fairly rather interesting. Nice to know. Mm -hmm. And then they said, well, what about this? I said, what about what? He says, well, this is, is, can you see anything on this rock? I says, yes, it's a petroglyph. <laughs> <laughs> the more I looked at it, they said, yeah, it looks like another snake here. It's, it's got a serpentine, you know, look here and it's got the curvilinear meanders and you see the You've got a head-like phenomenon here, and it's very, very ancient. It's been, it's it's been revarnished and repatinated over the many, uh, you know, centuries and millennia. But you can still see it, and mm -hmm. that's that's a, a nice added element. So they said, "Well, what does it mean?" <laughs> and I said, "Well, you're asking the right person." And they said, "Well, you know, why is that?" I said, "Well, I've I've just come from." extensive studies of, of such features, you know, in the Great Basin in the Desert West. And I'm writing a mm -hmm. book on this and an article on this and all in all. And I, you know, I sort of study the serpent and these circular meanders as what's called indexical animals. And they go, what the hell is that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I said, yeah. well, you know, indigenous, prehistoric, Aboriginal people, native people have a habit of identifying key predators, sort of top line animals, and those become shamanistic ancestor beings. They said, hmm, what does that mean? Mm. <laughs> I said, well, in their cosmology, there's, you know, sort of a layered universe. Okay. Well, the topmost is the sky, and the middle is sort of the surface of the earth 
and there's an underworld. Okay. Mm. And the underworld is often guarded by serpents. Okay. And certainly the rattlesnake or the what have you, a snake-like phenomenon is part of this. And they serve as metaphoric beings. They are the guardians of the underworld. And as well, they're liminal creatures. What's a liminal? Well, a liminal <laughs> means it lives in both worlds. It lives in the terrestrial world and in the underworld. Right. So, okay. well, what, what, so what does that mean? Well, it means that this area is a powerful area. It's a magical area. It's a supernatural area. And most likely it's an area in which one has access to a portal or, or, or a nexus and that this portal connects the, you know, ter terrestrial conventional world with the supernatural. They hmm. said, Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> that's exactly what we wanted to hear. <laughs> yeah. I said, Oh, said, okay, that's interesting. Well, then they showed me another part of the landscape and there was a, a circular rock natural that was sort of drilled by the native people. And if you look in that eye hole of that drill and you put your eye there, it looks right at the end of that landform. And that area is, is in essence, right where the sun would set probably on the winter solstice or some other, you know, important, the equinox or something. And so there looks like there's almost an archaeoastronomical element or alignment to this rock art, this place, which is, which is common as well. So okay. you've got archaeoastronomy, you've got mythology, sacred narrative, you have geoglyph, you have all that and much more. And it's all kind of intertwined into this interesting place that is a power spot and one that it sort of rings or feels as though it's a nexus for a connection that the native people would have with, un with illustrating or understanding how they conceptualize the universe and their religious theology. Okay. Okay. So yeah. they weren't, they weren't really big on it or interested in this. They wanted to know about, you know, what does this have to do with the supernatural? That's what they were all about. So let me, let's back up a second here. Yeah. They must have done some kind of research to know about Skinwalker Ranch. And when they got there, they must have had some knowledge here. So is somebody, Skin, is somebody Skinwalker, leading this? Skinwalker Ranch has been on the radar of some of the most supernatural incidents kind of for decades. It's considered a, you know, one of those places where you see UFOs, they've done studies of the ground and found that, that there's, you know, elevated elements of radioactivity. They've had cattle mutilations, you know, that, that are done in such a way that it's impossible to have done where they, you know, they extract the eyeballs and they do a linear thing where, where, you know, and, and no other animals will touch the animal again. So it's some, something's gone on there. That's supernatural. Mm -hmm. They've had floating little, you know, silvery objects that they've photographed and filmed, these balls of light that you see. 
other people have seen these supernatural animals that they that they appear to hear growls and roars and other things like yeah. that. Okay. But I guess my point is these are TV producers, right? Now, obviously they, they're part of TV, their job. They're TV, they're TV producers, but the people that I'm talking to, yeah, they're, they're the people that are specialists on geology, okay. engineering, astrophysics, and they have committed to doing this project to study, to see if they can mm. possibly investigate the nature of the doings there and make some okay. sense out of it to demonstrate what sort of supernatural phenomenon are occurring at the ranch and do they have validity and can we scientifically okay. understand them? Okay. There's somebody behind the scenes kind of prompting you, these guys helping prompt you with what they want to know, getting your opinion on things and they're just filming the whole thing and then they cut it together at the end for a nice little package. Right. I spent okay. 10 hours. Yeah count them 10 hours full time, constantly moving, <laughs> constantly being asked questions, sitting down, getting up, walking around, going back, going forward, doing the after shots, everything that they wanted. And, now, seven, uh, seven months ago in Utah, I mean, it couldn't have been warm. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it was pretty hot. I was wearing a schmata on my head. And, yeah, I'm uh, sure. And, and trying to you know, avoid anything catastrophic. And everyone yeah. always asks, well, what happened? What happened? Did you see anything supernatural? I said, yeah. I said, it, you know, not really. I didn't see anything out of the ordinary, but there is one thing that happened that was really weird. And they said, what is it? I said, you know, I had my phone in mm -hmm. my back pocket and it didn't fall out. I didn't do anything differently. But when I opened up my phone, the entire glass was cracked and it was a brand oh, new geez. glass that I had installed. Wow. And they said, yes, that's common. We know about the cracked smartphones happens all the <laughs> time out here. Jeez. So that was the weird thing that happened. I don't know what it was from, but it happened to me as well. So okay. they spent a lot of time asking me a bunch of questions. And I think the funniest time that I had was when they had me in that that black ops thing that okay. sort of, and they decided to ask me about looking at Google earth at the maps <laughs> and whether when you're looking at Google, Google, you know, Google maps and the apps, if you could see three dimensionally, some of these serpents or some of these other sort of images that they thought they could tease out from those. And I said, that's a bunch of crap. There's nothing you can, you're not seeing anything here <laughs> except you're doing pareidolia. You're making up, you know, things that don't exist just because your mind has, has visibly, you know, done this. Yeah. And then, and then in the midst of this whole conversation, I would go, Hey, hold up, gentlemen, this is a bunch of baloney. <laughs> and they thought that was hilarious. Says, who is this guy? where do you come from? And say, can you say that again? <laughs> Sit down and say that again. We have to get that on film. We didn't get that on film. Yeah. Well, I got to say, as we wrap up this segment, it is interesting when you were mentioning the near the geoglyph and then, you know, comparing what you were seeing there with the landscape, just looking on a satellite image of this area just north of Skinwalker Ranch, I, I don't think I've, and I've looked at a lot of satellite images in places where we're working and I've worked in that area I don't think I've ever seen such 
obviously snake-like, um, like basalt trails almost yeah. in these. Yeah. It is so phenomenal. It's crazy. It's like a river of basalt. Yes. And then other sediment was probably placed around it, but that's all since eroded. Right. And all you're left with are these crazy snake-like things that are projecting yeah. out. That is so crazy. And maybe we could talk a little more about what the snake means to native people, because it's, unless you understand the nature of, of animism, totemism, mm-hmm. and shamanism, you're never going to understand or conceptualize what these features, these landforms, and even the images that are made in Native American art, both on paintings and on petroglyphs, have embedded in them in this multifaceted, multivalent conceptualizations. That's awesome. All right. And uh, just to note, I can see the helicopter pad and the helicopter was not in residence <laughs> when the satellite went over. <laughs> All right. Well, let's take our final break and come back and, and talk a little bit more about a little bit more about Skinwalker Ranch here. Back in a minute. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra. Just perfection and a straw coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block because there are drinks then there are drinks from mcdonald's mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for a dollar 49 perfect with our classic fries price and participation may vary cannot be combined with any other offer Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney. Make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusion supply. See store or jcp.com for details. Welcome back to episode 43, the final segment of the Art Rock Art Podcast, the Skinwalker Ranch Edition, uh, behind the <laughs> scenes of the world-famous History Channel show. <laughs> two mil- two so, million visitors to the show each right. episode with Dr. Alan Garfinkel looking at the rock art and, and riffing on the uh, symbolism and conceptualization of the universe that is emblazoned or memorialized in the rock art and in the rock features found at Skinwalker Ranch. I mean, if the History Channel just could have given us like one penny for every person that watched that show, we'd then, be done. you know, we'd be done. So, all right. Well, let's talk a little bit more about Skinwalker Ranch. So you mentioned seeing the, the cairn and the geoglyph there and the snakes, like we mentioned at the end, not the snakes, but the actual basalt flows. What else is on this ranch? And along those lines, you know, what were some of the conclusions that the show was trying to come to? I think they brought me in because they wanted uh, an independent scientific opinion on the rock art and on the geoglyph. They knew where they were there, but they, okay. didn't know, they didn't know if they were Aboriginal. They didn't know if mm-hmm. they were uh, authentic. Created by a billionaire. Right. Or if they were of recent historic uh, repute. And they weren't. Sure. They were ancient. There was also a, a boxed cross that appears on one of the rocks. And of mm-hmm. course, that's one of the classic symbols cross-culturally, but especially sure. in the American Southwest, 
in the, the desert west and in Mesoamerica that represent the heart and soul of the theology of Native Americans. Mm -hmm. So this box cross, in part, is seen as a deity. It's also representing Venus. It's called the morning star and the evening star. It also represents a symbol of resurrection because as we see the sun and Venus go down, it comes back up again the next day. And so it's renewal mm -hmm. and resurrection. Also, it's a four and five. So it represents the cardinal directions. It mm. represents earth, wind, and fire, the basic elements seen as, uh, you know, the elements of the universe. Also, the central point, it's a deity. It's a, it's a god. It's a universal heart of creation that enjoins or connects or tethers all living things. One of the creation stories of the Uto Aztecans has to do with the four corners of the universe and these pillar-like individuals that are holding up the universe, with the uh, fifth one being sort of the central nexus. So that's all emblazoned in this one symbol which is this uh, wow. sort of inscribed cross. You see them in the Southwest. You see them in the Mojave. It's one of the archetypical signs for the grapevine style of rock art. It was done by the Mojave Indians. Those were the ones that were the agriculturalists that lived on the river. You also see it extensively in Pueblo and Utah territory. And you see it in the Cosos. Mm -hmm. Many different inscribed encircled Crosses are readily apparent, embedded in or independent. They're also associated with fertility, reproductive symbolism, showing uh, life being generated from them or associated with them. Okay. So there's that symbol as well. Again, it would make sense to tether uh, such a symbol with an area of tremendous power mm -hmm. and both visibly and invisibly. So why is this called Skinwalker Ranch? Where does that come from? There's this, a, isn't the, this isn't the habits of an eccentric billionaire, is it? It's, no, it's got it more deeper. No, there's, okay. a, <laughs> there's a, a, a being that's supposed to be a malevolent being, and I believe it's in the Navajo sacred narrative mythology mm -hmm. called the Skinwalker. And okay. the Skinwalker, I believe, is uh, one of those beings that picks up the bad children and takes them away and, uh, you know, harms them and eats them up in his lair. Oh. So this is a cross-cultural symbol, a skin walker, some sort mm -hmm. of malevolent being that is, you know, part insect and part human and one that, that walks along the ground and walks along, you know, your skin and can get you during the night and kill you. Hmm. So Skinwalker is a good name for the ranch because it's been such a prominent place for the supernatural. Okay. Do you know who named it? Was it named by the guy who has the property there or was it named was it known as that beforehand by the native? It's known as that there? beforehand. It was it was okay. given that name from native people, I'm sure, who uh, trafficked in that area and uh, it's not looked as a good place to go. It has bad mojo. And mm -hmm. people stay out of that place because they're scared of it. They, they think that there's yeah. a, a malevolent force 
something that's supernatural, that's not understandable, that exists there. And for some reason, it is a magnet for all of these supernatural, otherworldly expressions. And they're okay. supposedly not good otherworldly, but bad. Hmm. So back to the show production real quick. I'm curious, were they trying to answer any specific questions or was it the typical generic, like, you know, who built this and why and what can we learn about them kind of thing? You know what I found? That was the best thing that they did. You know, mm-hmm. they only took five minutes out of my lengthy diatribe and they, <laughs> they tried to encapsulate just one key element of it. And they wanted to align with the broader theme of the entire show, but they did it authentically. They didn't misrepresent what I had to say. They Mm -hmm. were cogent in teasing out the most critical elements of what I had to say and boiling it down to a a five-minute soundbite. So I have to take my hat off to them because, you know, you hear about how you know, you have these people come and they misrepresent, they pull from here and they pull from there. And it's so easy to get a, a, you know, some sort of a yellow journalism as they called it, or some sort of a, you know, mangled communication that doesn't authentically align with what the individual was trying to portray. They did not do that at all. They they Hmm. took the essence of what I had to say and communicated it to their audience. So, you know, that was uh, quite a blessing, and I was very impressed with the professionalism and sophistication of the show. Wow. Okay. So, given this experience, even with the ridiculous liability form and everything, if somebody called again, whether it's these producers or otherwise, would you be a little more, a, a little less leery of it, I guess, at first, and a little more yeah. willing to participate? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would. And, and I'm not one to disdain or minimize the supernatural. You're talking to someone who loves, what do I call them? Radical miracles. When, mm-hmm. when God steps into history and does things that are so incontrovertibly supernatural and miraculous. Yeah. I love that. And so I don't believe there's, there's a, a difference between science and religion or even uh, the study of the supernatural and the natural, because certainly I think my life has been dedicated to that in studying shamanism, animism, totemism, and understanding the nature of indigenous religion. And I think that uh, instead of some of this being rather silly, I think it's, I think it has an insight and a wisdom into the real nature of our universe. And I think as, as uh, physicists and astronomers and others begin to probe those depths, I think they're going to find again and again that much of the basic cosmological metaphors that Native people had were bang on. Does that make any sense? It does entirely. And I'm kind of on the opposite end of that spectrum, right? Like I wasn't raised religious. I'm not religious now. But that being said, you have to learn about these things and understand these things to put yourself in the frame of mind of the people that created this stuff and did believe these things. I mean, if, if I were to take a modern example, if I wanted to study... Catholic church relics and practices and things like that, I'd have to learn about the Catholic church in order to do that. (laughs) You can't just, you can't just shut that off and say, well, I don't believe in supernaturalism and shamanism and stuff personally. Therefore, dot, 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 I'm going to say this. If you want to understand how these things were created, you have to put yourself in the minds of the creators and the minds of the creators believe these things. So you have to 
be open-minded and study about it and, and learn about it, to be honest, in, in order to be a and, good scientist. And, and, and also and scientists that have now studied shamanism and altered mm-hmm. states of consciousness and the use of various uh, ethnobotanicals are finding that it transforms one's life and helps, heals them both psychologically and physiologically. And there's a reason that throughout the world we have something called shamanism. Yeah. Well, I would like to have been in that grant committee hearing for that first anthropologist that went to them and said, listen, I got to eat all these plants over here and I'm going to really understand this. <laughs> exactly. Give me $10,000. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that, that wouldn't have gone over well. <laughs> but people have done it. And, and honestly, again, I have not ever really taken any drugs. And But if I studied that, if that's the culture I was studying and if that's the thing I was doing and it was safe and in a controlled environment and things like that, I would actually consider it in the in the name of science to understand, you know, what what is what is really happening and what's going on. Again, you want to be safe and, and controlled as as good science is, but you got to experience stuff like that sometimes in order to really get it. So, well, there's a thing called near death experiences, NDEs or NDOs. (laughs) Yeah. And when scientists have studied that, they find that there's a a common pattern. And as these people have touched the supernatural and connected with the divine, their life changes radically in a very positive way. And they're no Mm -hmm. longer in fear of death. And in fact, uh, understand or appreciate more of the essence and vitality of life. Mm. And, and, and I've been, you know, that's another, anything that's, that's marginal or, or sort of, you know, eccentric, that's my specialty. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I, I've, I've made that a, a life, a life's work. I think that's why I got into anthropology because it seems so different and unusual. It was the 1960s and people were experiencing the uh, alternatives and the wonder of diversity. Well, anthropology is literally the study of humans. And I'll tell you what, there is no shortage of topics because humans are constantly doing wacky things. <laughs> so. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, I think that anthropology attracts some of the most eccentric and unusual people you can possibly find because they're allowed to see others through their own eyes and, and uh, mm. appreciate the variability in the way people practice and fulfill their lives. Right. All right. All right. Well, with that note, I think we'll go ahead and end that here. I will try to find some good links so you guys can link straight over to the Skinwalker, Skinwalker Ranch episode on the History Channel and uh, and watch that. And Alan's contact information is in there, so you can you know hit him up if you want to talk about it. And... Yeah, I think this was a great episode and it's nice hearing behind the scenes in a in sort of a candid way and uh, and also learning about something new. So I wish there were more shows like this that were focused on topics like this and presented in this way. I mean, I know these guys are doing a pretty good job on this show, but we could always use more because there's so much to talk about out there. Well, next show will be the uh, History Channel the rock art world. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> the world of rock art. According to Alan. Yes. There adventures of, adventures <laughs> of Dr. Alan Garfinkel as he prowls the world discovering new and mysterious rock art. Man, that'd be a good show. All right. <laughs> God bless you, Chris Webster. <laughs> See y'all on the flip flop. Bye bye. 
Thanks for listening to the Rock Art Podcast with Dr. Alan Garfinkel and Chris Webster. You can find this podcast on the educational podcast app Lyceum, L-Y-C-E-U-M, and wherever you find podcasts. Find show notes and contact information at www.arcpodnet.com forward slash rockart. Thanks for listening, and thanks for sharing this podcast with your family and friends. This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV Traveling America, Tristan Boyle in Scotland, and the Archaeology Podcast Network, and was edited by Chris Webster. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Thanks again for listening to this episode and for supporting the Archaeology Podcast Network. If you want these shows to keep going, consider becoming a member for just $7.99 US a month. That's cheaper than a venti quad eggnog latte. Go to archpodnet.com slash members for more info. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.